welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is your host, Joshua Bohm. This is episode number 380. Oh, wow. So uh, interesting. 380. I'm actually doing this uh, this little recording as I am walking my doge. And uh, it actually just started to snow. I was hoping to beat the snow a little bit, but it is what it is. So. Um, I thought I would actually tell you a little bit about a sort of report on a quick thing that uh, I've been working on. And if you remember back to the 1980s, and if you weren't alive then, just to take my word for this, there was a thing called Shrinky Dinks. And what it was was a it was a proprietary thing. It was like a brand. Um, I think made by Colorforms, if I'm not mistaken. There's actually a show on, I think, Netflix that my son will sometimes watch, which has a catchy but sometimes annoying theme song. <laughs> I think it's catchy. My daughter thinks it's annoying. And it's about, uh, it, it, the, the shrinky ding thing was a, a piece of plastic, transparent film essentially, that you would have a design on and you would cut it out and then put it in the oven and it would shrink to a tiny little figurine essentially and it's interesting because it is something that um i was talking to my wife about and she did it when she was a kid but not with the shrinky dink brand name um, she did it with styrofoam meat trays and i vaguely recall doing this i don't I don't recall doing it as as much as I think she did. There were a couple things that uh, she still has the uh, the actual shrunken down little design. And but what you would do is like, and by styrofoam tray, I'm not sure if this is the same all over, but you would get a you get like a you know a pound of like ground beef or something like that or chicken or something like that. It'll often come on a thin maybe like three or four millimeter thick styrofoam tray, number six polystyrene. Um, and uh, you could do all kinds of things with that. I, I used to use those meat trays for all kinds of projects when I was a kid. And so I would make gliders out of them. They'd cut them, cut them out. And if you remember those like foam gliders that you would put together in a little bag, you could get, get a, like a, you know, five and ten store or something like that and they would <laughs> you throw them twice and they break or whatever but you can make those with uh with the meat trays and if you got a really like the i mean the cheapest way to buy like chicken or something like that is in like the big value pack and uh where they they don't really do a whole lot of the work for you they just you have to do all the deboning and everything like that but you get a really big big piece of styrofoam and that uh we used to get a lot of our stuff that way, and so you would have a, this this uh, huge flat sheet of styrofoam you could do all kinds of things with. And it usually comes in colors like white and sometimes black, but yellow. Um, and if you get the white kind, of course, then you can draw pictures on it. Now, you can draw pictures on any of the colors, um, but uh, you can make shrinky dinks out of styrofoam meat trays. Now, I tried to do this recently with my kids. And it didn't work out very well. And I was like, did I forget something in here? And I asked my wife, because she did this more than I did, 
with using shrinky dinks. And she didn't remember either. Because what I experienced is that we drew the picture. Um, my kids drew them. I drew some. And in fact, I posted one of them, I think, on maybe Instagram or something like that. But what I found was that you put them, I think I used a toaster oven for this. You put them in there. And the, the it would curl on itself. And this is what ha- used to happen with the actual thing itself. As the plastic would shrink, the whole the whole structure, the whole lot of it would curl onto itself. But I would, and, and then it would eventually flatten out. But I found that with this, it was just curling and folding on itself. And then the styrofoam, once it cooled, it would get really brittle. And then that was the end of that. So what I what I was doing was, I was like, okay, well, I don't know, if you can just take it out really quick and kind of try to flatten it down or roll it with a rolling pin or something like that. Still didn't work really great. Um, and then I I had read a little bit about this sort of stuff, and I discovered another thing that you could use besides styrofoam trays is clear plastic, also number six. So even a year ago, or at some point, I, th- I think it was a year ago, maybe the year before, I'm not really sure, I had done these, uh, made these um, little little figurines and things like that. They were keyboards and other little things out of recycled plastic. And usually it was like number five or number two, or maybe it was number one, I don't remember. But no- number six is polystyrene, and it's kind of hard to use. Most places you can't recycle it. And it is one of those things that's often found in uh, sort of like packaging for baked goods, um, lunch things. Uh, a lot of food sort of stuff has number six packaging. Takeout containers. I'm thinking specifically of takeout containers. And that's what I use for this particular project I'm talking about today. The lid of it. Now, often there'll be ridges and things like that, which um, I'm not sure that makes that big of a difference, but I used a, a nice flat piece of it. And I've experimented with this at a couple different sessions using the number six, um, you know, well, yeah, the polystyrene, clear polystyrene, uh, as opposed to the styrofoam polystyrene. They're both number sixes. Um, and I got similar results, unfortunately. I liked it better. I liked it actually better than using the uh, the styrofoam meat tray just because it was clear. And so that just added a cool factor to it. And because it was clear, you could color on both sides, which is also neat. You could draw a design on one side, you could color on the back. And... But I still had the same problem with the, uh, with the whole thing curling up on itself. And I kind of did this, I got around this by, you know, just trying to watch it in like an oven. As soon as it would come out, or as soon as it would start to curl, I would like try to flatten it, and then it still didn't work great. So I was doing this again today. I tried one other thing. I figured, well, you know what? Maybe if I got a basically a piece of glass and stuck it on top, then maybe the whole thing could shrink underneath the glass. So we have these um, Pyrex dishware uh, kind of thing. So it's like Tupperware, but it's made of glass. And Pyrex is a, um, you know, it's like heat-treated glass that they use for like, uh, you know, cooking stuff and 
uh, as well as science, you know, chemistry equipment and stuff like that. Regular glasses will not um, withstand that kind of temperature. So I figured if I put the, this piece of glass over the shrinky ink or the, the pre-shrunk shrinky ink, would that actually work? And the answer is <laughs> it does work. It just doesn't work very well. It turns out that it would actually get hot enough through the glass to shrink the material. But the problem was I thought it would shrink in a uniform way. It didn't. Some areas would shrink first, and then you would have to kind of spread the heat around to the other areas that didn't. And so you would get up with a sort of elongated or stretched out or distorted version of your design, which wouldn't necessarily be so bad because you could probably do it all evenly. But what I kind of found was that uh, that crinkling and folding is actually kind of important. It's actually really kind of important for the whole thing to happen. And so because there was glass on top of it, it wasn't letting it do that. I was under the impression it might sort of shrink uniformly, you know, from out to in or something like that. I'm not really sure that's the way it goes. I think what actually happens is, you know, one area starts starts to, that's hottest, probably starts to contract first, I guess. It doesn't really make sense why it should contract, right? Why would that be? I'm not really sure. I imagine it has something to do with the way polystyrene is, is uh, designed. I'll have to look up and see if there's some explanation why it shrinks when it's hot like that. It doesn't, I imagine, you know, normally when things, you know, when they're hot, they, they turn, right? They, the, the molecules and stuff like that get excited and they, they want to, they want to bounce around more. They want to space out, right? But, uh, this one, I'm not really sure why, 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 why it is exactly that way, but it, uh, it, it doesn't shrink uniformly or maybe at the same rate. It just, um, that crinkling sort of effect, the folding in on itself, is actually how it's necessary. So the fact that I was putting something on top of it um, didn't didn't really allow it to happen in the way that would result in it shrinking in a proportional way. It would shrink just in a distorted way. So that didn't really work. And the other thing too is that um, the edges of things would kind of like, uh, those would kind of get hot first and then the center wouldn't wouldn't get hot, and so that wasn't so helpful. So that meant that um, it would it would sort of crinkle in on itself, and uh, so that that wasn't too helpful. But what I did experiment with is putting something on top of it instead. I said like, okay, well, if that didn't work, the glassing didn't work. What happens if I put a piece of like basically like parchment paper on top of the shrinky dink and then did the heating. And I was originally using a heat gun, so I was thinking, well could I could I use the and that's what I was using through the um through the Pyrex as I was using a heat gun through it. And this would probably work this would probably work in the oven too. It just the theory didn't for for it working at all didn't work. So but uh the heat gun would tend to blow things around, and this wasn't an issue when the Pyrex piece of glass was over it, but 
once I took that off, it would just blow the, the little thin piece of film all over the place. Well, not really helpful. So I figured, well, what happens if I put a piece of parchment paper? A piece of parchment paper is like what I was using underneath, underneath it, you know, in the... Because I'd originally tried this, the first time I tried this was in an oven. Then I put something, it was like a cardboard or something like that underneath it. And I, I was wondering, what if I put another piece of that paper on top? And then did the heat come through that? That actually kind of worked. It wasn't, you couldn't actually see what you were doing. And still the heat gun was too hot in some parts and not hot enough in other parts. So I was like, okay, well, I don't think the heat gun idea is going to work, but let's go back to the oven idea. And so with the layer of parchment on top, that provided enough of a barrier to keep the the shrinky dick from folding in on itself too much. It still allowed it to go up and start to crinkle, but not enough so that it would totally fold in on itself and destroy the design. So that actually worked. And uh, I owe that suggestion actually to uh, the Craftsman channel. Because interestingly enough, I've been experimenting with this and this will happen to uh, look and see if there are any videos that uh, he had done. I hadn't watched it in a while. Craftsman is a, uh, a YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, if you haven't seen it, you should totally go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Reminds me a lot of Bob Ross, the painter on PBS. And um, so he had a he had a whole thing where he talked about making sort of DIY shrinking inks, and I'll put a link to that in the video. And most of it was stuff that I was already doing, but the one one of the suggestions that he had, which I thought was brilliant, was actually just doing what I just said is putting the piece of paper on top, which I had done with the heat gun, but not in the oven. And so I had, I just sort of tried to take the uh, take it out of the oven really quickly and then flatten it, but it wasn't fast enough. And so I really liked that suggestion. And so credit where credit is due, you should go check out the Craftsman channel and you should watch his video on making shrinky dinks. Now he also suggests that you use number six plastic I think he bought his, but uh, he also says you can use, you know, uh, lunch trays and, you know, other kinds of, like, things like that. Uh, I, uh, he didn't talk about styrofoam in there, styrofoam meat trays, but uh, I bet now that I uh, have that, this technique down, using a styrofoam meat tray would actually work pretty well. If you put it back in the oven and you had something over it so that it wouldn't fold in on itself. And destroy itself. It's like it wanted to, you know, sort of self-destruct in the process. You have this beautiful design there that you worked hard to create, and it decides to uh, screw itself over by <laughs> by, uh, by uh, folding in on itself. It doesn't have to be that way. So use uh, if you want to do this, you can use the uh, that, that that particular technique. There may be still be better ways of doing this. There may be a better way of using employing a heat gun in a better way, but uh, I ended up going back to the oven method, which I had played around with before, and uh, that's how my wife had done it when she was a kid. 
to stick the meat tray in the oven um, because it's more uniform heat. And I think, now that I'm thinking about it, that's what I had done when I was making crayons and baking, uh, heating up the, uh, like a number one and two and maybe four plastics to in the silicone molds. I think it was in the oven. I think it was a lot easier in the oven than in the heat gun. Because heat gun blew, would tend to blow stuff all over the place. So, and I think I encountered the same issues of being too hot in some parts and too cold in others. So there's that. You could, I think, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you could probably make so maybe something like this uh, already available, but if you were to make somehow a funnel, so you could concentrate the heat all in one area, then maybe it would work. It might get too hot though, I don't know. I think I can get really hot. So I uh, a couple of ideas on coloring stuff. Um, if you're going to go with, well, both, both transparent and then the, uh, the styrofoam, either one, a couple things are true. Lighter colors actually probably work better. Because as the material shrinks, it will become more detailed and it'll get closer together. And so lighter things will look darker. So I used mostly Sharpie markers for this. On the styrofoam, I think I used alcohol markers. But you could use whatever on that. Uh, on the clear polystyrene, it's a little bit harder to get stuff to stick. So Sharpie markers worked well. But darker colors tended to get really dark. So if you use stuff that is lighter and it's like, well, it's really not coming out, it's okay. When it shrinks, it will be darker. Um, the other thing you can do that uh, I think is that's kind of handy is that if you want to create a design, you can actually print it out first or actually trace it with the clear polystyrene, which makes it a little bit easier because it's a little bit hard to draw on. I, I used a pencil to sketch it out first and, uh, and then actually trace it over with a Sharpie marker. So I did a couple out of one takeaway container. I think I used, I made like six or seven of these. The first couple bought it with the heat gun and all that kind of stuff in the experimentation process, but I got a couple that worked. An infinity symbol, that works pretty well because it's a simple design. That's a 13th hour reference. Um, there's a one of Logan, just like the, um, the pixel art Logan. Uh, that one worked out pretty well. That's one where I basically traced it. I actually had a had the the picture on my phone and basically put the um, put the piece of plastic right over the screen, and it lightly sketched there, and then traced it again with the markers. And one thing you can do is you can draw on one side, like the outline on one side, and you can color with the markers on the other side, so you don't have your color and the black outline rubbing together. Those are a couple ideas about how to do this. Uh, I ended up having three successful ones. Like I said, uh, I'm looking at them right now. 
And then back inside, we've got Logan, we've got the Infinity Sun, and we got the Rocketeer. So the Rocketeer, I actually did a time-lapse video of the, of the coloring of it. I would like to create this, uh, get a time-lapse video of it being baked in the oven, but like I said, I have a piece of paper on top of it, so that's obviously not going to work. So maybe another time, but the the picture, the the actual uh, shrinky dicks, they shrank about, I would say, probably about 50 to 60 percent. It's quite a bit, actually, of shrinkage that went on. So it's pretty cool, and they're a lot thicker now. Uh, before, it means, I don't know if it was even a millimeter thick, now probably about two millimeters think, thick. Um, and uh, I could probably, you could probably make things like earrings and other things like that out of these uh, pretty pretty easily, I think. You could probably put a layer of like clear coat around to protect the uh, the design and uh, that was drawn on there. So I'll post some pictures there and uh, hope you have fun uh, recreating this aspect in the 1980s. So speaking of the Rocketeer, if you haven't checked out the episode with Billy Campbell, aka The Rocketeer from the 1991 film, give it a listen. If you're already on the Patreon, you have it there already, uh, but you can access it. It's not a numbered episode, it's a special episode, but you can find it if you look back in the feed wherever you download podcasts from. And you can access the full thing in like video slash with pictures on, uh, on Vimeo by answering a couple questions about our guest. And so check that out. And uh, hey, thank you for listening. I will talk to you guys in the future. Hey, a few last things. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find many more like it on the show's website, 13thr.wordpress.com, as well as on numerous other podcasting platforms like iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify. There's often additional material on various places on social media as well, like on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find links to all these platforms in the show notes for this episode. Sometimes people will ask me, how can they help contribute to the show or other things that I do? And you can, of course, uh, leave a tip over at coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash 13thhr, which is basically like a virtual tip jar. You can see a link to that in the show notes. But there's a lot of stuff that you can do just that's just for free and stuff that you may be already doing anyway. And so if you have ideas or suggestions, you know, email me. My email address is w-r-i-t-e-j-o-s-h-u-a-b-l-u-m at gmail.com. Also, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you currently prefer and share it with your friends, leave a review, uh, listen to music on Bandcamp, Spotify. You know, I hope by conveying some of the creative process on this show, You'll also be inspired to do creative things and follow your own dreams and do whatever it is that brings meaning to your own life. The world really is what you make of it, and at the end of the day, that's what the 13th hour is about. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.